Well, good morning, church. Today is June 7th. Um, it's a big day in my life, uh, the day I was born, the day I entered this world, um, made my official entrance. Uh, it was also the day that I preached my very first sermon uh, to church on my 21st birthday. Uh, so today is kind of, a, kind of a big deal. But the thing about birthdays is they're kind of an annual reminder that, that we're getting older. And uh, that's not always a good thing. You know, it's the, uh, it's the reminder that things don't work like they used to. And you have all these questions as you get older, like, can I still do this? Like, do I really need to warm up? Like, if I do this, how long am I going to hurt? Like, when did this start popping? It just never worked like that before. Where, where is my medicine? Did I take my medicine today? You know, stuff doesn't work like it used to. When, when is life going to slow down? That's a, man, we all ask that. Um, you start looking at, you start doing things differently. Like, like the other day we were at, uh, at a gym for fifth grade graduation, sitting on the floor and we'd been there for a while and it got time to get up and I had to think about like how I was going to get up. It's real. The struggle is real. And then, you know, it's the stuff that you, you have questions about, like, have you guys ever done this? Have you gone, like, gone into another room in your house to do something? You got in there and you're like, what in the world am I doing here? I know there was something that I was supposed to be doing, but I can't remember what in the world it is. And today, we're going to be coming from John chapter 4. And the title of my sermon, I, I, I usually... It's odd for me to title a sermon, actually, but uh, the title for today is What in the World Am I Doing Here? And I even got a subtitle because it's my birthday and I wanted it to be fancy. And it's a reminder for disciples living in the city of strangers. John chapter 4, let's look at the story of Jesus and the woman of Samaria. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your love for us. And God, would you please remind us today of who we are and what in the world we're doing here. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 4, verse 1. Now, when Jesus had learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was making, more, making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus did not himself baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and he departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. That's about lunchtime. Have you guys ever noticed how much stuff happens like right around lunchtime? You get to that part of the day and your, your stomach's starting to growl, got a little energy loss, you need a little pick-me-up, starting to get irritable, you're hungry, ready to go, you turn into the Snickers commercial. You're just not the same until you've had a snack. There's a lot of stuff that goes on right here around lunchtime. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Verse 8 says, For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Now, if you're the underlining type, underline verse 8 in your Bible. This is like, to me, it, it raises all these questions. 
why did, why did John slip that in right there? In some of your Bibles, it's going to have it like in a parentheses. And, and there's, it's like John had kind of an ADD moment. Like he starts in this story and then he's like, oh yeah, but wait. I need to, I need to remind you that uh, the disciples, they had gone away into the city to buy some food. So here, I mean, I've got questions now. Like, why did all of them go? Take 12 guys to get groceries? Why didn't anybody stay with Jesus? Did Jesus tell them all to go? Did he, did somebody try to stay? And, and I, I mean, did they try to get Jesus to go with them? Did HEB have a store in Sychar and they had 20% off all kosher products? Who knows what's going on here? I'm, I'm curious about the situation. Or was it that Jesus was needing some just time alone to pray? Or was it that Jesus knew that there was a woman that was on her way? And he was afraid maybe that the disciples would try to keep her from him. Was he concerned maybe that they would be more concerned with their traditionalism of their religion than in following him and loving people? Chuck Swindoll has one of my favorite statements where he clarifies tradition and traditionalism. And tradition, he says, is passing down the living faith of those now dead. But traditionalism is the passing down of the dead faith of those still alive. God, please let us never be guilty of traditionalism. Let us pass down a living faith. Come on now. That's, uh, that's hard, isn't it? We like our traditionalism because we know it so well. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, Ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria, for Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. See, this is a, a long-standing deal here. This goes all the way back to really Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob's name is Israel. Jacob had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. They settled in the nation there in the promised land, and there were some that were in the northern part and some that were in the southern part. And the people that were in the northern part, they decided that it would be a good idea for them to, to worship God on top of their holy mountain in the north rather than go hang out in Jerusalem and worship there. Well, the people in the southern part, they said, no, 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 this is it. And, you, and, and so here's what happens. There's, there's kind of a schism that breaks off northern kingdom, southern kingdom, the nation separates. Then in 722, something happens. The Assyrian Empire comes into power and they come in and they take over the northern kingdom and take most of the people there into captivity. Then 122 years later, the Babylonian Empire comes in and they take over in the south, in the southern kingdom. They go into captivity for about 70 years until Nehemiah and his band of about 43,000, they go back in, rebuild the temple, all that kind of stuff. But all that's, all that's been taking place, there are some that stayed there in the north and what Assyria did was they sent some people in there to resettle the area who worshiped different gods, pagan gods. And over time, the Jewish people, the Israelites at that time, they began to 
intermarry with these other God worshipers. So there was another big divide that happened between the, the southern kingdom of more pure in blood Israelites, and they looked very much down on these people from the north. So to let you know where all this is map-wise, it's like we've got Austin, then if you go up 183, there's Cedar Park, and then there's Leander, all right? Well, Jesus was born in Nazareth, which is just north of the Cedar Park-Leander border in Israel, not in Texas. (laughs) Just wanted to clarify, you know, everything's in Texas, right? So a lot of times Jesus would actually be kind of accused of maybe having some Samaritan biases. Oh man, this was a strong, this was a strong hatred between these two. So as Nehemiah comes back in, rebuilds the temple, the people that had settled up, they, they opposed it. They made it hard. They didn't want it to happen, but it happened. And then for the next about 550 years up until Jesus' day, those cousins, you know, there's nothing more feudy than a family feud. Nobody backs off that. And that's exactly what we've got here. And the the people who settled back in the south, the tribe of Judah, which is where they were first called Jews. Judah. So they go back in the south and they've resettled and all this. But I don't like these Samaritans. Samaria was that, was that country of the north. And, and this was a, it was a bad, bad blood deal. Let me read this. Um, I was looking and just doing some research, and this is a paragraph that I thought was very interesting. There are countless modern parallels to the Jewish Samaritan enmity. Indeed, wherever people's lives are divided by racial and ethnic barriers, perhaps that's why the gospel and Acts provide so many instances of Samaritans coming into contact with the message of Jesus. It's not the purpose, it's, it is not the person from the radically different culture on the other side of the world that is hardest to love, but the nearby neighbor whose skin color, language, and rituals, values, ancestry, history, and customs are different from one's own. Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. But Jesus was different. Praise God, he was different. Jesus spoke to the stranger. Jesus answered her and he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep and where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? See, she's taking it all the way back in history to Jacob. He gave us the well and drank from it himself and his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks from this well, this water, will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of this water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become a spring of water welling up in eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me some of this water so that I won't be thirsty and I won't have to come here to draw water. Hope. She doesn't know exactly what it is that Jesus is offering, but she wants it. I can only imagine that as Jesus began to say these words to her, she looked in his eyes and she could see hope in Jesus' eyes. Man, hope is a big deal. Hope's what gets you through the darkest of nights to the next morning. Hope is what 
allows you to keep going when it doesn't look like you can anymore. Man, hope is what we get to do. That's kind of our job, to be the agents of hope to a world that's hopeless. How many of you guys right now, you know somebody that's, that's in a situation that would seem kind of hopeless? Probably most of us. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you a couple right now. There's a little boy that we've been praying for as a church. His name's Grayson Braun. Got SMA. Man, he's been fighting it. Fighting hard, man. You know what, you know what that needs? He needs Jesus to bring hope. To bring healing. Let me tell you about another little boy that um, was some of our friends in Virginia. Military family stationed over in Germany. Little boy, he's 10 years old. Hurt his left foot one day playing around and then after uh, went to the doctor, and they couldn't really find anything wrong about a week later. Acute lymphosatic leukemia, B-cell, A-L-L. Air flighted him to Walter Reed. He's in the United States. He's getting treatment right now. They've got a long road. You know what those situations need? Whew, they need hope. They need the people of God to bear with them, to bear their burdens. Isn't it interesting that the same Bible that says, cast all your cares upon him, also says, bear one another's burdens? Man, the way we bring hope is we, we get people and their burden to the hope of Jesus. But man, we got we to do, I mean, let's, so let's just do something about it right now, okay? Here's what I want us to do. We're going to take 20 seconds at a time. In just a second, I'm going to ask everybody, just bow your head and close your eyes. We're going to take 20 seconds. We're going to pray for Grayson. We're going to take 20 seconds. We're going to pray for Jacob Miller. And then we're going to take 20 seconds. I want you to think of somebody else that you know right now that's in a hopeless situation that needs Jesus to flood their life with hope. 20 seconds, we're going to pray for that. And then we're going to take 20 seconds. And I want you to pray for yourself. That God would just re-infuse and rekindle the hope in you. Can we do that? You guys cool with that? Not going to mess anybody up? All right. Well, let's, do it. let's do it right now. Go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. And I'm just going to, I'll call you to it, and I'll give you the 20-second time up. All right, here we go. You ready? We're going to start right now. Grace, Grayson Braun, pray that God gives his body strength. Now, Jacob Miller, pray that God gives him strength to fight, that he heals his body. Now, pray for that person that you know that's in a hopeless situation. Now finish, pray for yourself. God, thank you that you are the God of hope. Or would you be hope? Would you help us to bring your hope to the hopeless?
Jesus' name. Amen. She's in a hopeless situation, this woman. Jesus said to her, go and call your husband and come here. Verse 17, and the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one that you have now is not your husband. What you've said is true. I bet that she woke up at night, often, asking herself, what in the world am I doing here? How did I get to here? Have you guys seen this, uh, this picture? Have you, or not this picture, but have you seen this? Does anybody know what, what this is? Anybody notice this? 183. Highway 183 coming, coming down this way from the north. If you'll look to the, to the left, there's some construction going on. And I noticed this the other day, and I was like, what in the world's going on here? There's a tree on the corner of this deal about, you know, four, five stories up in the air. You know what the thing about this tree is? It didn't get there by itself. There was something that happened. There, there was something that happened in this tree's life that, that caused it to not be where it was and to be where it is now. The thing about this Samaritan woman is I, I wonder what her story was. People don't just get there because they intended to. There, there's usually something that happened. Everybody's got a story. And you know what I found out? The more that you find out what other people's stories are, the more that you can understand where they're at, why they're there, and how to bring hope. What is this woman's story? I got a little, uh, I got a little saying about personal responsibility. You ready for this? You've been married nine times, maybe it's you. you that's, that's supposed to be a little bit funny. Um, I don't know, sometimes it's not. Which is, which is kind of true for personal responsibility. If you keep making the same mistake over and over and over again, but what, what, what grace says is different. This tree was here for a reason. Somebody put it there. There was something else that happened. It might not have been, man, how did, how did this woman grow up? What, what did her mother look like? What did her family look like? How had she been treated by men? What was the backstory into where she got to be right here to where she met Jesus? She was dying for hope. Generally, we write off people as unreachable that we've never tried to reach. That, if you're taking notes or tweeting or anything like that, that's a, generally we write off people as unreachable that we've never tried to reach. And we've not tried to reach them because really we, we don't care. The Jews didn't care for the Samaritans. At the very minimal, what Jesus traditionally should have done was not acknowledge this woman's presence for his religion. When we begin to care about other people, the game changes. But in order for us to care for them, we're going to have to get over our addiction to convenience and comfort to care for people because it's not easy. It's hard. It goes to our heart. And really it exposes who we are and our need for hope, because a lot of times we just kind of are pretty good at faking our hope. You know, if you ever come into church one day and you're like, hey, how's it going? Man, just so good. I'm doing so good. If I was any better, I'd be twins. That's not true. That's not true. We, we get pretty good at faking it. The great tragedy, guys, in our churches 
today is not that we don't care for lost people, but that we really don't know many. Where are you being intentional to be Jesus in a world of hopelessness? What in the world are we doing here? What are we doing here? So uh, we've got to hear. Now let's jump in back to verse 19. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. She perceived that there was something different about Jesus, and she was right. You know, you've, you've heard the saying, perception is everything, and it, man, it is absolutely true. Perception is everything, and people have a perception about you that if you claim to be a Christ follower, they link that perception to Jesus also. You got a perception at work. You got how people view you at work. You got a perception at home, how, how your family you know, how they look at you, how they view you. You've got a perception at the restaurant, whenever you go in and how you interact with the people there and the, the, the servers and all that kind of stuff. You've got a, did you guys know, by the way, this is just for free, that uh, Sunday afternoon is like the most dreaded schedule for, for white people, for people who are, are in the restaurant business. It's bad attitudes, bad tips from people in their Sunday best. I'm just going to leave that there and keep going. So she perceived something was different. You also have, you know, you guys have a social media perception. How many of you guys are, use any form of social media? Raise your hand real quick. All right, so that's a whole bunch. All right, you got a social media perception. And uh, interesting thing, I was talking to one of my good friends um, in Virginia while we lived there, and, and he's a military guy, great. I mean, really became one of my close friends. His name is Dan. And uh, he works with, uh, with some surveillance stuff and, and, and some drone program and, and intelligence and I hope I don't get killed for saying that much. It's kind of serious stuff. But Dan was talking about like the drone pilots now. They come in and they put the, you know, they put the helmet on. They fly their mission with a joystick right there in the comfort and the air conditioning. And, and there's no physical, you know, engagement. They're not in a plane. They're, they're flying this thing on remote control. They're basically playing a video game. And they're going to drop ordnance and take out a, you know, whatever. And then, you know, they get done with their shift, turn the, drone back around and send it for autopilot to get back to where it's going, take their helmet off, and then go home and have lunch or have supper with their family. And he's, he says, I'm worried that there's, like, there's too much of a detachment from what's actually happening. And social media can be a very detached way to live and, and way to view yourself. And, and we think that what we say there does, doesn't matter, but, but it does. You know, social media can turn the sweetest person into a passive-aggressive rock chucker. You know what? Well, we just do that. We're, we're good because generally our, our collective social media problem is that we're much better at truth than we are at love. See, truth can be right and still be a jerk. Okay, if you guys were on social media at all this week, something really, really big happened. Vanity Fair came out with a cover. I didn't really want to go here, but I, said, I feel like I've got to. Got, Vanity Fair came out with a cover, and it's who? Bruce Jenner. Man, I'm, I'm surprised that, that like, people can write blogs and m m stuff this fast. And like, all of a sudden, like, I, didn't, I didn't know what was going on. It came lunchtime. I flipped on my phone, checked up, see what's going on. And I mean, everything is just on fire. The twit book grams trist vine all of the social media stuff, I mean, they were just fired up. And man, it was, Bruce Jenner's a man because that's what God made him to be. That's all he's, you know, that, 
I wonder how many of you guys posted something this week about that versus like how many of us, like our heart hurt for Bruce Jenner and we, we begin to pray for him. I'll just leave that there too. Kind of see what's going on. When we begin to pray for people, our hearts and our attitudes begin to change about them and we start to see sinners not as Samaritans that we keep at arm's length, but as people that are in hopeless situations that need help. They need hope. They need a Savior. And God has strategically put you in places to pray, to care, to share. Let's, uh, let's jump on in. Keep going. Verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I love this. Because in, in my mind, like as this is going on, like she's saying this and she's getting kind of excited. And Jesus kind of reaches out and maybe looks at her. Maybe extends a hand out and grabs her hands and says, I, who speak to you, am he. That is a heavy statement. And then just then, his disciples came back. ADD John right here coming back in with a completely different train of thought. Just drops this, it is I. Oh yeah, the disciples just made their way back. And they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? All right, now questions are just fired up again now. You're right, like, what all is going on here? Why didn't they ask any questions? I bet they had all kinds of stuff going on through their heads. I mean, they just walked up into a situation where Jesus, king of the Jews, is talking to a Samaritan woman. The cultural and religious implications of what Sally, what a wasp nest. This is a big deal that's going on. Have you guys ever been in a deal like that where you walked into something and you're like, I, I don't really know what's going on here, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Or maybe you walked in with like two or three other people and you're like, I, nobody said anything, but there was a whole lot of conversation going on. Like, Does anybody want to get something to eat? It's exactly what happens right here. Exactly. The disciples come back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. Nobody says anything. I wonder why John alerts us to the fact that nobody said anything. So the woman left her water jar. Isn't it cool how a lot of times when people follow Jesus, they just left stuff? It's like Forrest Gump when Lieutenant Dan shows back up. You know, he's in a little, oh, Lieutenant Dan. He's out. That's my boat. Man, wouldn't it be cool if Christians were just like a trail of stuff that we've left behind because what we found in Jesus was so much better? Man, the joy of finding Jesus. So she left her water jar and she went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? 
And they went out of the town and they were coming to him. And meanwhile, the disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I got food that you don't know anything about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? What's going on here? The HEB is way down the road there and I didn't, we didn't pass anybody. Did somebody else come up that had some, what's going on here? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest, but look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. Here we go. We've got some celebration coming on, but... Let me make a statement to some, if you've, man, if you've been in church your whole life, I want you to, because li- this will make sense to you, because I got it all alliterated, like, right? So you put a bunch of letters of the same thing together. I'm talking about the fields. You ready for this? The fields are not where the flock feeds. You know what I'm saying? Unless we plow and plant outside the place with the pews, people will continue to. Anybody got a word that'll fit there? Perish. With a hopeless world into a hopeless place. And now the rest of the story. Verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. She reached people where she was at where they were at and help them to take the next step and find Jesus. So what do we do with this? What's, what's going to be our takeaway? Here it is. The lady with the least knowledge of the Christ told everybody that she knew about him. And the 12 guys who spent daily time, as a matter of fact, as they're walking to the grocery store to get some food, I bet the conversation went, man, Jesus Killed it in that last sermon. We talked, talked about, you know, our job and our mission. And man, if we could just stay and listen to Jesus preach forever, it would be all right. We, we, we just love that. Jesus, man, he can preach better than anybody else. Yeah, I'll take three of these, four cans of this. We have some of these things over here. And uh, all right, thanks a lot. Here's my money. And we're going on about our way. Man, Jesus, I'm telling you what. That message that he talked about sharing, sharing about him with other people blew my mind. Unbelievable, unreal that God has honored us, you know, and that we can be the people of God to bring the message of hope to the world. That is awesome. Let's go eat. See, we, we've forgotten what in the world we're doing here a lot. We get problem with the same as the disciples had. We, we start ended up with Pop-Tarts and SpaghettiOs. We brought a bunch of food to the party, but we didn't really bring anybody else to Jesus.
They were the hearers of the best preacher ever and still forgot to be doers. Unreal. I'm sure that doesn't happen here, but probably at other churches in different parts of the world, but not, not here. So here's what we do, okay? Now buckle up because this is, this is, and we're going to wrap it right here. Nice little bow, tie it up. Care. Right after we pray. I read the wrong line right there, just so y'all know. We're starting with prayer. We've got to pray first. Check this out. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, here's what Paul says. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Man, I don't even have to explain that. That's just awesome. Care. We don't care about people. Here's a quick rule of thumb. You only have to care about the people that Jesus cares about. Right? You do. I, I, I got cut off in traffic one time. I mean, cut off hard in traffic. And so I, you know, I backed off and I was like, man, I about had a wreck. And then the dude just whips it back out. And then later on, you know, we're kind of getting back in. And he, man, he jumps in. I drive a big black Ford pickup truck. Like, I'm not invisible on the road. Cuts me off again. And I look and his, you know what his license plate says? Holy man. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, and i got to care about this guy. That's what I wanted to do, right? Because I'm better at truth and grace and love and stuff. Oh, care. Just care about the people that Jesus cares about. Share. Okay, Jesus was intentional about sharing. He was intentional about speaking. God has put you in an intentional place for an intentional presence. For his message. All right, so let me let me just show hands. How many guys live in South Austin? Okay, a few. North Austin. Okay, uh, Cedar Park. Let's just keep going up the 183 there. Round Rock. Leander. Pflugerville. Somewhere else. I haven't lived here that long, all right? Liberty Hill. All right, so I'm kind of, kind of getting all that. Anybody from uh, Buda? Come on now. I was in Buda the other day. It's awesome. So God has put you there. What are you doing there? Are you just going to buy food? Are you looking for people to bring to Jesus? See, God, God doesn't have you in a spot for no reason at all. He wants you to be intentional. So what if we got real intentional this summer, June, July, August, about serving and sharing? Okay, let's make this real practical. Serving. Let me, give you, let me give you three quick things that you can do, just even right here. All right? Number one, Austin Disaster Relief Network. We're, we're a part of that here at Great Hills. We got a couple folks right down here in yellow shirts. They're going to be standing around right here after, after service is over. So any kind of disaster relief stuff, if you want to like get trained on how to do that so that you can be a blessing and you can be some hope for somebody who's just gone through a time that they've got some hopelessness going on in their life, you can come down here and get signed up. VBS is coming up. You saw a great um, example of why we need people to serve because there are going to be people that are coming in, kids that are coming in, spending the summer with grandma and grandpa, people that are spending the summer with the other parent. 
that come from divorced homes that they don't, you know, they're real, uh, they're the full-time parent that they live with doesn't take them to church. Maybe they're, they're, maybe they're just here for a little while. Man, we need people to show Jesus to a bunch of kids for VBS. But not just that, we need, we need some preschool folks. We need a couple of folks to work in three years old, and one, one year old. Man, how cool is that to just, like, my, my job. Yeah, one of the things I do on Sunday mornings, I get to play with, play with kids, make, make little dudes smile. And then in our elementary, man, we've got some folks that we just for Sunday mornings, help teach a class, help, help those who are teaching the class. You don't even have to teach, just, just help. We've got a big uh, slide that we, man, we've got to get that thing opened up. We need some people that, let me tell you about Raymond Johnson real quick. Raymond Johnson, he's 70-something years old, stands at the door and opens doors and smiles. He's the first smile that a kid sees every week at his church. He's awesome. They all come in, high-fiving Mr. Raymond. He's awesome, he's awesome, he's awesome. Everybody loves Mr. Raymond. How cool is it to be like that guy, all right? You, you, it doesn't have to take any special talent. Just take somebody that cares. Plug in. Come find uh, Jennifer. Come find Teresa. Come find me. I'll point you to somebody that can plug you in for that. So what if we just started serving? And then, here we go. You ready? This is it. Today is June 7th. June is the sixth month, July is the seventh month, and August is the eighth month. So we're going to do something right quick, okay? What if we were as intentional to talk to people about Jesus and have spiritual conversations with people as Jesus was? Well, in order to be intentional, we got to do something about it, right? Can't just hear it. Oh, you know, Stu, that was a great sermon. Let's go eat. Which is really what we do with most sermons, right? We hear them, man, we appreciate them, and we have no intention of obeying anything about it. All right, so here's what I want you to do. If you've got a phone, I want you to pull it out. Okay? I don't care how fast you're moving. We just want you to be moving forward. All right, so we, I, I need reminders. I, I get distracted just like the disciples. I'm, I'm more like them than I am like Jesus most of the time because I get hungry. So I need a I need reminder. So here we go. If you've got an iPhone, you can just do this right here, and you can flip that little deal up, and you can hit your, uh, hit your button right there for your world clock alarm, stopwatch, and timer. All right, August is the last month of summer, the third month. We've got like three months of summer. August the 24th is when school starts back up, and August the 30th is the last Sunday in the month of August. So here's my challenge to you. Our summer share challenge. In the sixth month, I want you to be intentional to talk to six people about Jesus. Share with six people about Jesus, a spiritual conversation, or Great Hills, or all three combined together. Look for ways to be intentional to share with six people in the sixth month. And then in July, you're going to share with seven people. And then in August, we're going to share with eight people. So here's how I'm pretty good at math. I'm a math magician. So if you take that, if we've got 1,000 people that jump in on this, six, seven, and eight, that's 21 people times 1,000 would be 21,000 conversations that we have over the summer. Now, that is a lot. All right? And I bet Jesus would probably do something with that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to be intentional. I want you to take your, click the little alarm there and hit your plus sign. And then uh, you're going to add an alarm. And I want you to set an alarm for 8.30 a.m., Okay, we'll just, we'll just walk down this step by step. 
8.30 a.m. and then hit repeat and repeat. Click every day of the week. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And that'll get you all done. All right? Every day. And then on label, change that and, and write the word share. Okay? That's your, that's your share alarm. And then under sound, here's what I did. I, I hit the sound and I you scroll to the bottom, you hit the classic sounds, and you can go in and there's one called crickets. All right? And that's like my little, uh, that is exactly it. Which is kind of like my Peter and the rooster reminder to open your mouth up, goofy, so that in the morning, 8.30 a.m., I'm going to wake up and I'm going to get a little ways into my day, and then all of a sudden, boom, I get this reminder to go share. All right? So I turned the snooze off on mine, and then if you save that in your alarm section, it's going to go 8.30 a.m., and under that, it's going to say, share every day. Isn't that cool? That's just a cool reminder. And then you can go back and set one. I set one for 8.30 a.m. and 8.30 p.m. 8.30 a.m. because I need the reminder at the start of the day to be intentional, and 8.30 p.m. because I need somebody to go, it, you moron, you had this opportunity that you, that you missed today. Do better tomorrow. Let's, let's get after it. Don't, don't miss another one. And here's what happens as we, as we begin to share. The more we share, the more we share. And the more you're intentional to share, and the more that you look for intentional ways to share, man, the, just the easier it gets, and the more you start looking for opportunities, and then the AT&T guy comes over, and he spends six hours at your house trying to get your internet running, and it's still not running, but you have the opportunity have a spiritual conversation with a captive audience. And then you sell something on Craigslist and they come over to pick it up and you're like, hey man, where, where you guys live? How long you been around this area? We just moved here. I go to Great Hills Baptist Church. It's an awesome place. Man, people just, I just love Jesus down there. We'd love to invite you to come sometime. Look for intentional times to share the gospel. If we pray for opportunities, if we care for people in hopeless situations, if we share the hope of Jesus, you know what we'll do? We'll celebrate the harvest. Pray, care, share, and celebrate. I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. Maybe you've walked with Jesus for a long time, but the daily routine of living in the city has got you, you just got focused on groceries and getting by and living and just all the stuff that goes along with that. But today you got the reminder of what in the world we're doing here. To be intentional about living in a city of strangers. Maybe you identify with the woman, you're in a hopeless situation, you know somebody's in a hopeless situation, you need to come and you need to just pray for them. Take some time and just pray. Maybe, maybe it's Maybe you'd be like one of the people that are in the town and when this woman came and she told them about Jesus, you've heard the, the story, the message today of a God who brings hope of forgiveness for sin. Maybe today you need to start a relationship with Jesus. You can come, take one of our pastors by the hand and they would love to share with you how to be saved. It's really, man, this time is, is a time to to just evaluate, to pray, 
and to ask God, God, what would you, where am I missing? Where am I needing to plug in? Where am I needing to be more intentional? Where am I needing to look? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your example. God, that you didn't care where somebody was from, what they looked like, because you love, 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 love. You came to seek and save that which was lost. God, I pray that you would just spark another passion in us to be the hope of the one who is eternal, who's our creator, who made us to love him. God, I pray that we would leave the stuff, that we'd follow you. God, I pray that right now you would move in people's hearts. God, but I don't just pray for right now. God, I pray for tomorrow morning, tomorrow at lunch, tomorrow afternoon. As we go about our grocery getting for the day, God, would you open our mouths to speak of a loving Savior who came so that no one would have to perish. All could come to know the knowledge of the truth. God, we love you today. I pray that you would move in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand with us.